Hello, Mosaic. Happy Easter, happy Resurrection Day, amen? Will you stand with us and celebrate in song tonight? We're so thankful to have you here. We're so glad to have you here with us.
Christ is risen. Oh, thank you. You may be seated. Well, it's good to welcome you as we celebrate uh, our resurrected Savior this weekend. We are so glad that you're here. For those of you who joined us online, we're so glad that you get to be a part of this as well. My name is Doug, and uh, among other things I get to do around here, I get to uh, teach sometimes, and I also get to work with our, our uh, global outreach, and it's just my honor to be able to, to welcome you and talk to you a little bit about what we've got going on. Uh, we finished our series in Joshua a few weeks ago, and then we've been focusing on uh, kind of the Holy Week and, and Easter, and then next week, we're going to start a, uh, a five-week series uh, that's going to be kind of picking up what we're going to be doing throughout the year, a little, little mini-series throughout the year. It's called Thy Kingdom Come. And this time through, 
Uh, last time we talked about how uh, the lordship of Christ manifests itself, the kingdom of God, uh, over us. And this time we're going to be walking through the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I just really am excited about it. I think it's going to be a great study together. So I just wanted to give you a heads up that starting next week we're going to be doing that. Uh, so just to kind of give you a, a forecast what, what we're looking forward to. Hey, listen, we, we began with the, you know, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. For almost as long as we know, um, not real sure when that started, but it probably very, very, very early on in the, in the history of the church, uh, they would greet each other, especially on Easter, with the words, Christ is risen, and the response, he is risen indeed. Uh, that has just been uh, a common greeting for Christians around the world, throughout history. And so we've got some very special people who are around the world that I'd like for you to, uh, to hear their greetings for you. Hello, church. This is David and Monica from Turkey. And we want to share the incredible truth with you. Esau Messi, dirildi. Gerçekten dirildi. Amen. Amen. Hello, I'm Chadash. This is my wife, Dildan. We are from Turkey. Esau dirildi. Hello, we're the Macmahans here in Mali, Africa. And we just want to wish everyone a happy Easter. Jésus est ressuscité. Happy Easter, Jésus Kounoumé. Hi, it's the kids. Suhamati. Dobradan. Seth and Kayla Murdoch here in Serbia. Christos Vaskerse. Hi, my name is Sippy Fletcher, and I serve in Podgrica, Montenegro. Christos Vaskerse. Hello, Mosaic. We're Stu and Hillary Lynch in Birmingham, England. Christ, Christ is risen. risen. Hey everyone, we're the Cole family. We live in Mali, Africa. And we're happy to say that... Le Christ est ressuscité. Jesu Christita Kununa. Kambe. Kambe. Au revoir. Au revoir. Isn't that cool? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Dear dying lamb, glorious resurrected Savior, we have so much to celebrate tonight. So many things that we could just stand and thank you for. Lord, all of those are real and true because you died on the cross and you rose on the third day. So Lord, as we focus on that tonight, as we celebrate you, you are worthy of our praise. May we please your heart, in Jesus' name. Mosaic family, will you stand with us and let's read together from the word of God. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen? Praise God. of the Son of Man, stories of the Savior, holiness with human hands, a treasure for the traitor, no ear had heard, no eye had seen. 
here tonight is to proclaim with everything we are, with our entire being, how worthy you are. Of all our praise, may the rocks cry out, may the mountains cry out, may the sunsets and the sunrises sing praises to you. And as creation cries out continually how worthy you are of your name, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the Creator, the Messiah, the King, our Lord, our friend. May our hearts do the same. Invade our hearts, Holy Spirit. Invade our hearts with conviction and with revelation of the person of the resurrected Christ Jesus tonight.
Hello, my friends. Well, it is a beautiful day and it is a big weekend, is it not? Because tomorrow we celebrate my birthday. That's right. This four-year-old turns 42 and uh, it's a little weird. I got to be honest with you. Uh, It happens every year, so put it in your calendar right now. Uh, But this year... It lands on Easter, and I suppose, I suppose if you're going to share your birthday with anything, the celebrating the risen Jesus from the grave forevermore together, that, that's worthwhile, that, that is worth sharing. Uh, and, and you know, I feel, like, I feel like these last few days and even this week, I have a birthday confession that I want to bring before you. Um, Here's the confession. I've, I feel like I've spent more time thinking about the stuff that I want, the sugar that I want to inhale, the ice cream cake, which is my leaning for preferential cake world, that I'm going to devour, even the March Madness games that I look forward to watching and celebrating, I spent a lot more time thinking about those things, reflecting on those things than I have even Easter. And it's been this convicting and almost lingering question that I wonder, uh, is it just me or can I welcome you into the same question of, what do we do with Easter? What do I do with Easter? How have I fallen victim to, these are strong words, but, but Satan's little lullaby to lessen the celebration of Jesus rising from the dead and changing all eternity to basically Groundhog's Day. Maybe at best St. Patrick's Day. And to give it a little bit of a, maybe silly traditions that, that, that lack substance. It's a confession that I have that I'm bringing before you as family and friends because I have to ask myself that question, what do I do with Easter? And I've thought about this. I've thought about the Easter story, thought about the people in the text that were there in that day. What did they do with Easter? So around the table of the Last Supper, we have a betrayer, a denier. We have 10 deserters. In the hours to follow, we have women who courageously showed up to the end and then were the first ones there at the new beginning. We have thieves on the cross, one who taunted with his last breath. 
Another who maybe had the best theological, eschatological view of all, remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom. The soldier, as the earth shook below him and the sky went dark, who made that profound statement, surely, surely this man was the son of God. And I've wondered, what do this group of people, all with different backgrounds, now with the same life-changing type convicting moment, what did they do with Easter from that day forth? But my heart and my prayers, honestly, it's really been with you. Right here, right now. This day that we celebrate, what impact does it have on the trajectory of your life? And it's out of that heart and tone that I want to go to our text for tonight from Acts chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, will you turn there with me? I'm going to put a big statement to this passage, Acts 3, 11 through 21. We chose this because it is a passage in which Peter tells exactly what to do with Easter. You'll hear the Easter story in this and then see if you can hear, answering the question, what's next? What do I do with Easter? Let me start in verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John, just for clarification, this man was a lame beggar who Peter said, I don't have gold, I don't have silver for you, but I can offer you something so much better. Faith in Jesus Christ. And he stood up and walked and it just shook the community. So he held on to Peter and John. All the people around were astonished. They came running to them in a place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness, we had made this man walk. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. This is heavy. You killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Verse 19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. So before we go to the route, I just want to settle for a moment on the reward. And as I read those words, refreshment, times of refreshment, they may come from the presence of the Lord. Does that not just hit the deep, desirous parts of your soul. The longing of our spiritual lives to go together in Jesus' name. John has a word for this throughout his gospel. It is simply the word life. It's the life that Jesus came to give. I give you life. It's the life that he says, I give you life to the full. It's even the life at the end of his gospel that he says, all of these words that I write, I write so that you would believe and have life. Yet, when you think about what do we do with Easter, here's my, here's my empathetic fear for all of us. Would we describe our spiritual walks like refreshment because of the presence of the Lord? 
Would we cling and claim to the fact that everything we've been told about the Christian life, that we say, yes, I am living that life, life to the full. Or, as the same one who gives this sermon in Acts 3 would write later in his letter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, because of Jesus, you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. I wonder if some of you, if that hits maybe a calloused or a broken piece of your heart, that that would be the way you would describe your your religious pursuit of Jesus, it feels empty. Maybe it feels like even a family system that was passed down. Is it refreshing? Is it life? Or is it empty? And I want to be here and on the day before Easter tell you boldly, if you want that life, if you want that refreshment, there's a way. There is a way. Recently for spring break, um, I got to be the small group leader for six-year-olds out at Camp Oregon. They teamed me up with my friend Hannah, and they said, here's all the six-year-olds, and you get them for a whole day. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Lord. And with all the amazing stuff at Camp Oriole, from like the slides to the pools to the fields to anything you can imagine, there is one thing that a six and seven year old wants when they get there. If you've been to Camp Oriole, you know it. The crystal mine. And the crystal mine is nothing more than a giant sandbox. But in that giant sandbox, they have crystals. And these aren't any crystals. You would swear that they struck diamond. It is the greatest thing ever. Now, my little group of six and seven-year-olds, when we told them what we could do right away, man, they beelined it to the crystal mine, and they were grabbing shovels, and they were digging over, and they were looking, and kids started coming up to me and said, Mr. Matt, is this clump of dirt a diamond? like, no. No, but it's cool. And then a leader came down. I don't remember who it was. And he came and goes, hey, Matt, just, uh, I just found out. We forgot to hide the crystals. <sighs> so being the fire aim ready initiator that I am, I went to the little uh, door thing, the storage unit. I opened up and there's a giant box of beautiful fake amethysts and a giant box of beautiful diamonds. And I double fisted them and walked out and I'd kind of tap a kid on the shoulder. He'd swing this way and I'd throw an amethyst, whoosh. And he'd turn and it was like he discovered life. And then I'd look at this kid and I'd be like, well, of course you're digging in there, but look in your ear. And I would put out a diamond the size of an egg. And And as this was unfolding, I thought about this part of the text. You want to know why? They came there. They went. There was so much anticipation. And I had the great privilege of tossing diamonds over their shoulder of being the one to initiate this discovery that when they pick up this diamond, they experience all that's been promised to them. Friends, I tell you again, and I use this silly metaphor to say, I'm tossing diamonds over your shoulder right now. If you've been looking for this refreshment but have not been experiencing it, if you've been longing for life but not been tasting it, the route to refreshment from this text is through repentance. Let me say that again. The route to refreshment is through repentance. Repentance in the Greek and repentance in the Hebrew are slightly different words. In the Greek, it's made up of two words, meta and noia. Meta means to change. Noia means your thinking. It means to literally change your thinking, how you think about the world, success, yourself. But in the Hebrew, which is important because consider the context, that's who Peter is speaking to. It's aimed towards this people and this national repentance he's calling back to. And it's translated as turn. 
Turn from the path you are on and turn to a new path. Throughout Luke's writing, the Gospel of Luke and then Acts to follow, turning is the primary way that he describes an appropriate response to the forgiveness that God offers. God offers forgiveness, his people repent. I like to refer to the Psalms, much of which were written by David, as the songbook of the soul. And listen to how he refers to repentance when he's not repenting. Psalms 32. When I was silent about my sin, my bones wasted away. But not long later in Psalms 139, he gives us the route to repentance. And in that songbook of the soul, kind of the way teaches us what does it look like to approach God in repentance? So this well-known passage from Psalms 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious ways. See me if there's any offensive, one translation says, hurtful way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God, and know my heart. You remember the theologian Shrek? He said that ogres, that us humans, were a lot like ogres. And ogres are a lot like onions. And onions have layers. So we have layers. And it's not this surface skin level knowledge of God. It's peel back the layers to point to core wounds, to get after those same questions that from Genesis that God seeking out where Adam and Eve were, he asks, where are you? Who are you? Who told you that? Deep soul identity wound questions. Search me, oh God, is an invitation for God to do his deep work in our hearts, regardless of the cost. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious ways. Man, this has been the speed bump for me. This is the one I keep feeling in my, in my soul as I bump over it again. You see what he says? That God would allow testing, intentional testing. Why? To expose our anxieties for the sake of purging our anxieties. Because our anxieties are nothing more than drifting towards our false worships. Everybody worships something. When those things don't work, anxiety is the symptom that is felt. And it's prayer is, the repentance prayer is, God, test me to purge out my anxieties. See me if there is any offensive, hurtful way in me. A dear friend of my family uh, has, has taught us much regarding spiritual boundaries. And she talks about the metaphor of looking out your back window and seeing the fence with the four fence posts. Each fence post, the trauma trigger fence post, the self-harm fence post, the other harm fence post, and sin fence post. And it's the prayer that says, God, am I jumping the fence anywhere? Am I going too far outside of the spectrum that you've called me to live and thrive and be refreshed within? And if so, God, see me. See my sin tendencies and pull me back to what? The last one, lead me in the way everlasting. When disciples asked Jesus about how to pray, he said, pray like this, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's a prayer that the next five or six weeks we're gonna unpack slowly and curiously together. But it's a promise that there is a way now that we can turn from our hurtful ways and turn to living this way of Jesus now in and for the city. For the doubter that's in the room right now and you hear repentance and you say, that sounds nice. It's very churchy, Matt but you don't know my story. You don't know how far I've slid. You don't know how far I've gone. You're right, I might not. But I do know what Peter tells us. And I do know before they go to the garden and all the guards come and then it goes to the false trial and then it goes to the, to the cross right before that moment, 
Jesus pulls Peter close in Luke twenty two thirty two, 32, and he says this, looks him in the eye and says, but I have prayed for you, Simon Peter, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, that you will strengthen your brothers. What a last moment grace that he would look at the denier, the one who's about to deny him three times, the one who would run. And he looks at him and says, I'm praying that your faith won't fail from that moment. And I'm inviting you back to repent, to turn, to come back to me. And then to be the encourager to those other broken, fallen people. What a privilege, what a providence, what a grace. So our first one is repentance, the route towards the reward of, of, uh, of refreshment. And here's our second one. The passage closes talking about restoration, specifically until the time comes for God to restore everything. It's a promise. God will restore Everything. So just to remind us one more time, remember, the first context of this passage is to the Jewish audience. It is a promise of a future restoration. It's for Israel's return from where they have fallen. This future restoration of Jesus' second coming, an ultimate restoration of the world where heaven would invade earth and he would make all things new. And as Bible students, we don't read stuff like that and go, wow, that's good for them. What about me? No, we say it's to them, but it is for us. It is for us. And so I've just been enamored by verse 15 and verse 20. They're like bookends that, that have been remarkable because verse 15, Peter, he says something in a sermon that I have to believe afterwards. He put, didn't put together his birthday invite list. He looks at him and says, hey, you, you killed the author of life. Oof. But you want to hear ultimate restoration? Just five verses later in verse 20. That God would send Jesus to you. Now, something in your mind right now, a little radar going, wait a second. Mayday, mayday. How does God send Jesus to you? This is Acts, which means Jesus has died and rose and ascended. He's off the scene. How does he send Jesus to you? Friends, God sends Jesus through now his Holy Spirit to the church to convict, to encourage, to invite that forgiveness that we would repent and return to him. And so here's little two notes on restoration worth considering together. First, restoration begins in your own heart. Restoration begins in your own heart. How many times you remember a kid or a grandkid who did the little finger point at you and then they said, ah, but three fingers are pointing back at you. Right? It's so easy to look at our world and go, oh, it's falling apart. It needs restoration. So we, we point at the nations or we put at the, point at the government. We point at the city. We point at our neighbors. We point at family members and all along... Those three fingers pointing back to you says restoration starts with you. And the starting point of vulnerability to ask, God, what is the restoration work that you need to begin in my heart and my soul? And let me just invite you, if this is new kind of language, if this is a new kind of idea, and that possibility, that hope of refreshment if it almost feels like your soul is being tugged, drawn, then respond in repentance. Turn from your way back. Turn to the way, the everlasting way of God. And realize that restoration, regardless of where you're at, near or far from God, restoration is possible. Knowing God, loving God, lifing God is possible. Number one, restoration begins in your own heart. Number two, in light of these big R, I just called them big R and little r. In light of big R restoration, live into little r restoration moments. In light of big R promises, live into little r moments. What does that mean? 
You know, it's been quite the adventure of the last two or three months uh, as Mosaic courageously has responded to the invitation from Samaritan churches into the overlooked and undervalued communities of North Rogers and the heart of Springdale to be a part of this church renewal. And during this time, I can't help. I feel like every quiet time I have to go back to Luke 10 again and again and read that Samaritan story again. And I see little R restoration all over the place there. I see the priest and the Levite, even though they had all the accolades and all the pedigrees, they were more concerned with their convenience, comfort, and control. And the only initiative was for them to avoid the little R restoration moment. All they saw was half dead. They saw a man stripped. They saw a man beaten. They saw a man that they were going to leave alone. They were going to depart him. He was, they left him economically depleted, physically depleted, emotionally depleted, and all alone. They missed their little R moment. But the Samaritan, the most unlikely candidate of all, a total random figure in this story, if you're hearing this story told, culturally different, religiously different, every spectrum of difference. I love the progression that it says. This is little R training 101. It says he saw him, then he had compassion on him, and then he went to him. My prayer for us is that we would grow in how we see people. Not just see on the outside, but we see the imago Dei, the image of God, the person that God has made on the inside. That we would learn to truly see people and then we would truly have compassion. We could all grow in the skills and the heart of true compassion for the people that God has already often put in your sphere. Put down your path. And that word compassion that the Samaritan had, it's the same word that Jesus again and again and again. He heals a person out of his heart of compassion is a deep gut heart loving level may we grow in our compassion in little our restoration ways and then finally that we would have the courage to move towards people step in move towards initiate little our moments every little our moment is a celebration of the big our restoration story that God is writing for us my friend and mentor Charlie says that restoration is seeing and believing in potential and opportunity. And I'll say today what we've been saying to you for 20 years, Mosaic, through repentance and restoration, there is so much potential and opportunity through this body of believers to change the heart and soul of Northwest Arkansas and the world. Hey, I wanna close with a space of just reflection and prayer. I want you to look at this really neat painting with me. And the prayer that goes along with it. God, may I never grow tired of starting over or helping others do the same. My hope is always in renewal and resurrection. Nobody loves starting over. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of loss. There's a lot of moving on. But aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't move on from us? Aren't you thankful that Jesus offers us forgiveness, invites us to repentance, and paints a picture of restoration for your hearts, for the world? I wanna put up two questions that uh, tomorrow as you Sabbath and you celebrate Easter, Maybe you can think about, maybe you can talk about. The first is about repentance, the second about restoration. Consider how God is searching, testing, seeing, and leading you in the process of repentance. Go to Psalms 139 again and pray that prayer. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious ways. See me. Is there any offensive or hurtful way in me? And lead me. And then the second one, in a little R kind of way, what, what restoration initiative is God nudging you towards? Inviting you into the restoration narrative he's been writing. 
Lord Jesus, Son of God Almighty, what a privilege to celebrate your death and ultimate resurrection. It is a promise that speaks of renewal for each of us, that gives us hope, that lets us rise again for your mercies are new each morning, to trust you, to believe in repentance, to move in restoration for your holy name's sake. Amen. In the darkness we were away without hope, without light, till from heaven you came running. There was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets. To a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Mosaic, let's stand together sing tonight. through the 
hope that will never perish or spoil or fade. Mosaic family, he is risen. Amen. Thank you for being here with us tonight. We'd love to connect with you. If you're new, there's gonna be some of us out by the info booth. Um, if you would like to have prayer, find one of us as well. We'd love to pray with you. Go in peace. We'll see you next week.